Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Racinos. So I have a special guest today that I think is going to be right up our alley. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, it is, you know, we've had a really tumultuous election. We are not out of it. Um, you know, we've had just a lot of social unrest. There's so much going on in the United States and in the world. And as we look towards planning, this is kind of our second part of, you know, what do we want to do with our 2021? Where do we want to take it? Where do we want to go? There's a, a, a really great... Um, I like to call it kind of like an RX around how to really help us get through the pandemic, stress, just things that we're going through. And um, it's gratitude. And we have brought a world famous person to come and talk to us today about gratitude, what she's learned about it, how we can apply it to our lives every day. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Linda Burton, who is an executive coach. Welcome, Linda. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. Uh, well, there's no problem doing that. Um, <laughs> y- y- you mentioned I am an executive coach, and um, my coaching methodologies are really based on the research and evidence-based practices in positive psychology, neuroscience, and certainly gratitude being a part of uh, the, the positive psychology science. And you know, interestingly, I've been fortunate to work. About 85% of my work is with nurse leaders, uh, nursing teams. And, um, you know, I often say I've got the best job in the world because I'm connecting with people that I absolutely admire. And um, I think I get as much or perhaps more out of working with my clients than, than they do. But I think it's kind of even. Wow. Tell um, me your story about how do you, like, how did you, how does somebody even, how did you become an executive coach? What was it, you know, how did, how'd you end up here? Yeah, I was, I was working um, in a career coaching firm and I decided that I could do something better on my own. How about that? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I really started to take a look at what the coaching certifications were, what were the schools out there, what were the programs. And of course, I followed the guidelines from the International Coach Federation, the ICF. And there are different certifications that people can go for. And there are different programs um, that allow you to come into the coaching in, in different ways. So I came into it. And the process is that you, um, you have a, a course, you study, uh, you select your focus point. So I selected neuroleadership coaching and um, went through that process. Then I passed what I thought was a very difficult and rigorous exam with the ICF. And that um, also included a log of coaching hours. So I had a mentor coach. I coached people to, to build up my, my coaching log. And um, at, at the same time, I started to um, connect with some individuals at an academic medical center who were looking to bring the work in positive psychology to the nursing units, to really strengthen the culture of the nursing unit, to have it be 
become values-based, to empower nurses, uh, and ultimately impact their engagement and the satisfaction of their patients. And from there, I have just uh, really enjoyed staying in the healthcare arena. Um, maybe that's not a good term these days, but um, <laughs> in healthcare and um, a true a true love for my clients that that have dedicated themselves to the profession of nursing. Well, I got to say nursing is awesome. So I'll, um, I'll say woot woot with you there. Uh, mm. But you mentioned a term, you said positive psychology. Help me understand what that is. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a science and it, um, it's been around now for about 25 years. When it first hit mainstream, Chris, there was a lot of misunderstanding. You know, to, sometimes it seems like if you stick the word positive on anything, it feels woo woo. It feels soft and squishy. But there's real science behind it. And, and the work that is done um, has, has a tremendous amount of research, empirical evidence. And, and positive psychology is the, the most common definition, is the scientific study of how our strengths enable individuals and communities and institutions to thrive. So it's a very holistic well-being approach it, you know, sometimes it conjures up these smiley faces and just be happy slogans. And it is complementary to traditional psychology. And so I, what I often explain is just as good health is not just the absence of disease, positive psychology is not the absence of pain and suffering. So there's nothing about the, the science that says ignore the negatives or don't think of negative things. Uh, it's quite the contrary. It's how do we bring the best of ourselves to manage whatever challenges we have. And the focus is on a very holistic approach. So our physical, our mental, emotional, um, spiritual well-being is all of who we are. So why not take all of that and um, and include that in how we how we live a very satisfying and, and happy life and get through the difficulties. And so one of the strengths of positive psychology is gratitude. And when I started to bring the gratitude research, which really started about the same time, but it's now done around the world, when I started to bring the gratitude research into my coaching practice, I actually started practicing gratitude. Which is interesting because I never thought of myself as being ungrateful. Um, but what happened at that same time, and I guess they say things happen for a reason. I lost my younger sister, Debbie, at, at the age of 41 to breast cancer. And there was a rolling loss after that. My mom passed away. My dad passed away. And I was really in this loop of grief that when I even journaled about it, um, I kept myself stuck there. You know, sometimes there's healing in that, but I wasn't finding it. And it was this aha moment that I look back over my past journal entries to Debbie and saw how dark they were and how it was all about what I lost and what she lost and the children lost. And honestly, the, the neuroplasticity that, that we know allows us to change the brain pathways 
is real is what happened to me with my practice i was able to reframe and i, I honestly i sat and cried when i realized that what the science is telling us is actually what I experienced. And the term gratitude heals came to me. And so there my journey started. And um, I, I, I am executive coaching, but where, where individuals want to learn more about the science, I bring that into the coaching. I do a lot of writing. Uh, I published Gratitude Heals, a journal last year. And I'm working on an ebook um, for early next year about how gratitude is going to support us through the to, through the pandemic. And so it's um, it's it's I feel like I'm almost on a mission, um, and and I'm just so excited that you're giving me this opportunity to share what I know with your audience and with you. Wow, I'm almost like speechless. I, um, I didn't know that about your story. And so, I mean, mm. first of all, I want to say, um, I'm sorry. I know my listeners and you um, know about my story and how I lost my daughter. And I agree yes. with you, you, when you lose somebody, um, that close, or even I've even seen it with, you know, animals and pets, um, you mm. really go into a dark place where, um, it's really, you like hit the nail on the head. I, it really was a sense of not being able to appreciate all that I was grateful for while she was living mm. and all that has been born since her passing um, as a result of her passing. Wow. And so I, I think you really made a very salient point around how gratitude really can change your, your mindset. What is one thing or how do you get started when you're so stuck? I mean, we have nurses that are still without PPE 10 you know, months into this. We're going into a year soon. We have mm. nurses that don't have enough supplies. We have managers that can't find the nurses because there's just not enough of them. Um, I mean, how do you even begin yeah. to get out and be, practice gratitude when so many things are just not going the right way? Mm -hmm. uh, great question. Um, and I. I approach this from, from several ways. In fact, I just had a conversation this morning with a nurse who, who was with a patient that was dying from COVID, and she was holding up the iPad so that the family members could say goodbye. And I was, I was beyond words. Um, and so I think when we are suffering... And my condolences again to you and, and your, your loss. But when we are suffering, it might be impossible to get to gratitude. And to that, I say, okay, be good to yourself. Do not in any way feel like you should or you have to. Um, and sometimes it starts with two minutes. I sit on the edge of the bathtub. Sit on your back deck. Sit on your basement steps where you, are, where, where you are able to just create some space for two minutes before you get back into the environment or whatever, whatever that is. Because I, I was listening to a speech the other day, um, and, and they were stressing, think of the messages that we're hearing. We're hearing that we're fighting a war 
on COVID, that we're sending people to the front line, that we're fighting to save lives, and that the enemy is invisible. So when you think of these messages, the, 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 the fear response of the brain is highly engaged. We go into a survival mode. And that prolonged amount of stress and anxiety and fear um, has detrimental effects on our cardiovascular health. But, but also think about the relationships that we have around us that we, we can't appreciate. We, can't, we feel that sometimes people don't understand us because of where we are and what we're feeling. So I, I, you know, nurses don't take as good care of themselves often as they care for their patients. But I just, I ask everyone to find two minutes, two minutes, and, and we can build from there. You know, and one of the other obstacles with practicing gratitude is 24-7 distractions. And so we may think, gosh, Chris really helped me today. I want to make sure I let her know how much I appreciated that. But then we might find ourselves cooking dinner that night or grabbing a bite somewhere, and we think, oh, I forgot to say that to her. And, and if the intention is there. But we're we're distracted. We're and in nursing today, your in your profession was already at what a 34 percent burnout rate pre COVID. So um, that space, I, that I think that's the best way. If we know that we are hearing these messages of fear, um, that our brain is responding the way it's supposed to to protect us that we have to create things in our environment that allow us to reframe, cognitively reappraise something, and be kind to ourselves. I often tell people to put their hand over their heart when they are in that two-minute space or when they are practicing gratitude verbally or writing it down because there's a very strong connection. Um. So it is, you know, it, I think people say, well, I say thank you, and um, that not that being grateful? Well, yes, and uh, one of the studies that I read out of the John Templeton Foundation uh, discovered that we have a gratitude gap. This is before the pandemic. And that most people think they're grateful, but only about 54% of the women and 48% of the men actually express it. For a variety of reasons, age, gender, you know, where they are in life. And so uh, to close that gap, they actually thought, half of them thought it would make a huge difference in society around the world. So there's, uh, there's so much research, there's so much wonderful uh, work to apply to how it creates greater health and well-being for the individual. And what we're seeing happen in organizations today that that consider it a core value of their culture. Wow. How do, like, let's say, okay, I'm on this journey. I'm now making that space for that few minutes a day. I'm sitting, you know, on my step or on my bed. You know, mm-hmm. what do I, what do I do in that two minutes? How do you, what do you do mm-hmm. in that two minutes? How do you use it? Yeah, right. 
there's a couple of approaches. One um, is what are your what the, what are your eyes looking at at the moment? Where are your eyes? Uh, what are your eyes capturing? And what in in your range of sight can you be grateful for? It can be something very simple, right? That that <laughs> I have the light on, right? I have. Um, the warmth and comfort of my bed. Um, it can be um, as uh, the the most. I guess one of the very first gratitude practices was three good things, and that is to consider three good things that happened to you during the day, and what caused them. And in that reflection, where do you find gratitude? And so positive psychology used that for one of their very first research studies. Um, and Duke Medical Center, actually, um, Brian Sexton, if you, if you know of his work, looked at three good things as, as a practice technique for the ICU staff. And so they did pre and post assessments, and they realized that um, those that practiced three good things about two hours before they went to sleep at night slept better, woke up feeling better, and their emotional exhaustion scores decreased from the beginning of the practice to, um, I guess it was three weeks after they started practicing. So it, it, we also think about energy. We're, 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 we put energy out. And so where does our energy go? We know when we feel good energy, what in that energy can we feel grateful for? And so it, it can be as small uh, or as significant as you feel. The important thing is not to, not to be grateful for something that you have that someone else does not. That, in fact, is not gratitude. Um, that, that is r- really missing the point, if you will, that you have that you have benefited in some way by something good in your life. And it's, it's, it goes against the science to think about that you have, you have something better than somebody else does. And that goes into a whole nother, another conversation. But that's, that's the, the most common definition that you see in the literature is that gratitude is an affirmation of goodness and a recognition of goodness outside of ourselves. So, you know, I gave you I, I, maybe too much, but um, no, starting, I think it was just small. <laughs> I think it was just, and I think that was great. And I, I honestly had no clue about when you're reflecting on gratitude, reflecting on things that you have that others don't, that is, that's um, pretty powerful. I have my kids ever since my daughter passed away, I had my other kids an effort to try because I had learned about gratitude and wanted to help them um, Mm. cope. And I wanted to help them begin to feel better. And so I asked them every single morning on the way to school when we used to go to school in person. um, And now, now as they're brushing their teeth, you know, I want to know, um, what you're thankful for. And so we say thankful. And I always ask them, you know, to tell me a person that they're thankful for and why a place they're thankful for and why, and then a thing. And that thing can be, you know, whatever. And it, it was really interesting. One day, my nine-year-old son, um, he was actually eight at the time. He, he tells me, mom, the person I'm thankful for is 
the um, the gardener who mows the lawn at my school because he makes our school look really beautiful. And I know he works really hard for us. And it's just nice to be able to roll on the floor and the, you know, the grass. And he said, the the place I'm thankful for is the universe because I get to be a part of it. And then he goes, the thing I'm grateful for is oxygen because I'd be dead without it. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, so he was just so reflective and they all, and they continue to be very, even in their young age, really reflective of things outside of, you know, um, what they're thankful for. And I I can see how it changes and I've even applied Mm. it to work. So, you know, I've had time Mm -hmm. where I just have two employees that are just conflicting, right? They can't stand each other. They can't seem to get along. Oh yeah. And Mm. I make them, you know, we sit down and have a conversation and I really challenge them to share what they are grateful about and the other person, because sometimes they get so um, jaded that they just can't see anything good about them, but that everybody has something good about them. And so, you know, that's been a great way to kind of help resolve conflict in the workplace is really let's talk about what we are grateful for. And then let's talk Mm. about what our needs are with each other. And um, so I, I, I like though that you said, not things because one thing my other son likes to say he's thankful for is this PlayStation. And so, um, you know, <laughs> right. um, that's really interesting. It's an interesting perspective. I love it. Oh, I, I just, I, I just love what you are bringing into your children's lives. It's never going to leave them and the universe and the gardener. I, I'm blown away by it, but you know what that reminds me of one of the, one of the obstacles to expressing gratitude is it makes some people feel very vulnerable and they don't like that. And my homework assignment for them is, is to think of the invisible people that they walk past every day. We all do. And you don't sign their paycheck. You don't do their performance evaluation, but you know that, that they contribute to the overall community institution, whatever, and stop and tell them that you do appreciate what they do because two things happen. One is that that individual posture will most likely change. They'll look at you in the eye and you will feel the difference that your comment has made to them and you will feel different by what you have just experienced. And there's nothing soft about that whatsoever. Um, and so that is, there's a myth that, you, you know, if you, if you express your appreciation too much, if you express gratitude too often, people become complacent. That is not at all true. And I know you've seen that many, many times in your personal and professional life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a group of folks that I um realized began to feel forgotten and it was all of the nurses that um and the staff that were displaced to have to do the screening so when all of Mm. COVID hit you know all of the hospitals and clinics and everything locked down and we had to have screeners that took temperatures and asked you know the questions about infection and all of this and these nurses I think and staff um were really um, number one, fearful, right? They didn't know if they had the correct PPE. They didn't know who had Mm. what, and then they were being verbally abused every single day by people who just wanted to get to work or who were Mm -hmm. running late or who were running late Mm. to an appointment. 
And so I think, you know, as mm. you're, as you're sharing, you know, the people that you walk by every day, we all as a leadership team made it a huge point to really recognize them because they had one of the wow. hardest jobs, you know, in the world. And yeah. we forget, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nuance to us that we have to stop and, you know, can't rush in and have to mm-hmm. wait in line. Mm-hmm. Um, yet not realizing they're doing us a favor. They're keeping us safe. Yes. Yes. And you know, that it takes, that we have to slow down with that. So Daniel Kahneman has a book called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. And he talks about the fast brain, which is what we use 80% of the time. We make quick decisions. Clinically, your fast brain engages. Um, we make quick decisions. We, we base our decisions on what we've done in the past. Sometimes it works very well. Sometimes maybe not so well. And then we have the slow brain, which takes a deliberate thought process. And that's where I think we need to engage with gratitude because I have a prescription for people that are trying to express gratitude because I have often stared at thank you notes and can't think of a darn word to say. <laughs> and, and so I think of um, ask, recommending that somebody think of a person or an experience or an act of kindness or generosity that you um, have a positive connection with, and and to think about what they did that was that you benefited. How did you benefit? Why was that meaningful? And perhaps what in what were their intentions or possible sacrifices that they made? And that way, you are slowing your brain down. You're deliberately thinking about what we would quickly brush aside. Um, And nurses do this often. If you thank them, the refrain is, I'm just doing my job. Yes, you are. And we need to be very deliberate to, in in how we express gratitude because we have these wonderful mirror neurons in our, in our brain. And so when I get this feeling of elation, when somebody's done something for me and I'm, um, feeling that gratitude, that is mirrored by the person that that I'm interfacing with. So many, many good things that come out of it that if we slow down enough, um, we can appreciate what we appreciate. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I hear from a lot of nurses is um, like when their administration tries to express gratitude, it's just not what they're looking for. So I, you know, I see Mm. memes on like Instagram and, you know, they all kind of joke about the um, uh, beloved pizza parties that are thrown for Mm -hmm. nurses for whatever reasons, right? Maybe you didn't get a break or maybe you were celebrating some metrics or whatever. What do, what do you see in your practice that really contributes to um, the nurse is really feeling appreciated. Like, what is it that you see that um, you, you're, you're, you know, they need? Mm. Well, feeding them is very good. However, it's short-lived, is it not? Um, it, it has to be direct communication. Um, for someone to express gratitude to us for, for what nurses are doing today, it needs to come directly. It needs to come from the heart. And it needs to have the time set aside in order to do that. Now, now I realize it's a very busy place. I think it's imperative for leaders to somehow find a way to make that connection. 
if they're rounding, um, there, there needs to be some sort of, um, habit that they form, that leaders form to really be able to have a connection with as many people directly as possible. And if you can't do it face to face because just of what's happening today on the units, um, it has to be, it, it can be in writing. It can be a phone call. It can be a text message. Ideally, um, it would be face to face, but let's deal with, with the precautions that we need to deal with. Um, but that one on one connection in any way is going to make a nurse feel cared for, that you see me, that I matter. You know, there's a fundamental need for every human being to know their existence matters. And at times of crises, it's even more important to go above and beyond what we need to do. So does it take more time, perhaps, for a leader? Yes, but what you have in return is tenfold. It's tenfold. Yeah, I would agree. And one way that I would get to know my staff is um, every time I rounded any unit, you know, we do have a little quick huddle, even if it was just one or two nurses. And I'd always ask them, you know, their name and, and then ask them to share a fun fact with me. And I'd always share a fun fact mm. with them about me. So, um, you know, I'd share things that were like, kind of fun, like I could roller skate backwards, or I have, you know, like 15 yeah like, please don't let the animal control hear this. But um, so, you know, I would share something like that. And, and then I would ask them to share something like that with me, something I couldn't find in their resume, something I wouldn't, you know, that people maybe on the unit wouldn't know, like share a fun fact. And that mm. always helped me, number one, remember them, but then I could always go back to it, right? So if they yes, share that yes. they loved cooking, I would, next time I'd come up and I'd ask them like, hey, what's the, you know, what's the latest great mm. recipe you've had? And would you share it with me? Or, you know, if they shared that they, you know, or into dancing, I'd ask, you know, like, hey, well, you know, when, when was the last time you had a person? So it was a good way to not mm-hmm. only, you know, remember uh, like hundreds of people in a very short time, but really connect with them about things that were very meaningful to them. Wow. What a leader. Yes. You, you made time for your, your staff. That's, yes. and they felt it. They had to have felt it. And um, you'll, re- they'll remember you forever just yeah. because of that attention that you gave them. That's beautiful. It's a fun thing. It's a really fun thing. So Well, and, you know, we do want to have fun. We still want to be able to laugh and um, let down our guard a little bit and tell a funny joke. And, you know, not everybody can do it at every moment. But if we have that ability to, to share a, good, a happy story, a funny story, then that, that is another way of just getting some space in, in how we're thinking and looking at things. Yeah, definitely. Now, Linda, you are also an author. So you have a book that you've written. Would you like to tell us a little about it? Yeah, thank you. And it, the title is Gratitude Heals, a journal for inspiration and guidance. So it is a journal, um, but the content there g- goes into the description of the science of positive psychology the work in gratitude, and the neuroscience, the connection with neuroscience. And then there are some tips about using the journal. There are prompts throughout the journal to, because sometimes we get stuck. And, um, and then in the back, there are resources. There are some templates to help get the, the journaling started. And, um, y- you know, you can pick it up. 
the one thing about journaling that I hope people understand is that you have the best of intention of tensions of journaling and then life gets in the way and then you feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm no good at journaling. Well, just pick it up again and start all over. There's research that shows you don't need to do it every day of the week. In fact, if you try to do it five, six, seven days a week, it becomes a chore. It does not give you the, the lasting health impacts that um, journaling up to three times a week can give you. And so, so that, that journal also includes a gratitude letter template. And, and the gratitude letter is actually something that's considered one of the most meaningful ways to practice gratitude. Now, um, the night my sister passed away, I sat at her desk and I wrote what, what I now know was a gratitude letter. And I'm sorry I didn't write it and give it, read it to her before she passed. And so, the, so a message, if you will, is don't wait. And the key to the gratitude letter is that you, you write about, you write it to someone who's, who's special, who's made a difference in your life. And instead of mailing it, instead of emailing it, you read it to them. So now we probably would have to do that on the phone. We could social distance. And, it's, and the impact is, it's amazing because it's one thing to be able to share that with someone and then the person you share it with realizes things that maybe they never realized before. And, and if that person has passed away, still read the letter. Read it to someone that knows you very well or knew that person it still has the same healing impact. And so there's that template. You don't need that template, but uh, it's, in, it's that template. And it also asks you, who, who is this person? When will you do it? And how will you set the, set the date to, to do that? And so it's, it's, it's one of the best ways. There was a study done at a university, uh, Chris, where students, the, the students came to the campus counseling center and wanted mental health assistance. And half of them agreed, well, some of them agreed to, to do this gratitude research and some of them elected not to. And the students that wrote gratitude letters, one letter for three weeks, came back 12 weeks later and, and had improved mental health, mental health uh, symptoms. And the group that didn't, did not move their mental health scores. Then they brought those students back three months later and had them, um, had them do a gratitude experiment. Giving, they, they were giving someone, that, an unknown person in this experiment, um, money. They shared more money than the people that didn't do the gratitude letters. And they had higher activation in several regions of their brain that are associated with, with fairness and moral cognition and the perspective of others. So the, the science to me is amazing. We have all of these different studies, but the lasting impact is really kind of what got me that there is something here and we can each take it and do 
what we can in our own lives and in the lives of our loved ones and, and coworkers. Wow. So, so my listeners are listeners of action and I am mm. going to challenge these listeners to take <laughs> that recommendation and to write that letter tonight and to read it in the next 24 hours, guys. That is yep. my challenge to you. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> Linda, if they want to find your book, where can they find it? It's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, I, it's on sale for $9.95. Bulk orders get a volume discount. Um, I, I do believe you can get them in Barnes and Noble or Books a Million. Some of them have it. Some of them will order it for you. So there's a couple of ways uh, of getting that. Great. And if folks are interested in learning more about you and more about your work as an executive coach, where can they find you? They can find me at my website, which is DRW Coaching. And DRW were my sister's initials. So I have her with me today. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I do. <laughs> yeah, DRW Coaching. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I am on um, Instagram and Twitter. What's your so, Instagram handle? L.R. Burton. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, L.R. Burton. And then Twitter, Twitter? is at, uh, at L.R. Burton. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate so much all of the time and the wisdom that you have given us today. This has been a great session. I really appreciate it. Oh, Chris, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this tremendously. Uh, I wish you the best of luck and um, I know we'll stay in touch. All right. Thanks, Linda. Take care. 